King Jesus, we believe in you. We believe that you're risen from the dead. We believe that you really have sent the Holy Spirit of uh, resurrection power into your church with gifts and the ability to convict where conviction is needed, the ability to actually give a brand new heart that is the person who you always intended each one of us to be. Father, I just want to confess, I believe in sin. I believe in uh, it is possible for a human being to rebel against God. And that's what our first father did. Father, I believe in indwelling sin that from each generation, the broken brain, the broken heart, the broken spirit that turns away from you and rejects you is handed down from one generation to the next. And it is a kind of insanity. Father, I believe in the new birth where Jesus Christ can give people a brand new start through his cross, through faith in him, through the power of his blood, through breaking the ties uh, to the forces of spiritual darkness that we belong to apart from Christ. I believe these things. And God, your word says that through the preaching of your word um, and preaching of the gospel, it is the power of God for everyone who believes. And so God, would the spirit give new faith, refined faith, refreshed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the truth of the word as we're here this morning. And may all God's people who believe in this prayer and in the risen Lord Jesus say, Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to do good to you this morning. Um, I want to give you a gift. And I just, I want to say, if the slide comes up, it comes up. That would be great. If it doesn't, then we don't need no stinking slides, right? (laughs) Did you know the church um, grew and spread throughout the world before there were PowerPoints? It's crazy, but they managed to do it. They figured it out. I know. Yeah, exactly. There were 13 Christians in the world, and then Microsoft Office came. Not really. So today I want to talk about getting, getting a blessing through giving honor. And I want to just affirm that I, I am not thinking of this as a Father's Day message. The timing is helpful for the father part, but this is actually a Father and Mother's Day message all rolled into one. Somebody this morning was saying to me, you never did a message on Mother's Day for, for mothers. And uh, you might guess who that was when it happened this morning. Um, and I said, well, and this is not a Father's Day message. This is a Father's and Mother's Day message. We've been working through... Um, the Ten Commandments. And today I want to read one of the commandments, but I want to read it out of the New Testament because it appears in the New Testament. And I want to say a few things about it. So let me read for you the very words of God in translation in the English. But these are the words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. The Apostle Paul writes this, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Like many Christians, I think, for a long time, I just thought about the Ten Commandments. I thought, oh, those are interesting and I'm glad we're not under them because we're not in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. And then somebody pointed out that in Ephesians, the apostle Paul, who if there is anybody in the, the Bible who was zealous for not living under law but living under grace, Um, It was the Apostle Paul, Romans and Galatians. Like, that's all. Just read it. It He was a a madman for the Lord in preaching salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet at the end of Ephesians, while he's talking to various groups of people in the church and essentially 
teaching them how to live together and to honor the types of authority that God has um, invested in people, he comes to children and he says to them, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So children, if you're here with your parents, you know what you're going to be talking about over lunch today. And uh, you can start uh, thinking about where you can apologize now. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just the right thing to do. It's right in God's eyes. It's right morally. It's the right thing to do. And then he quotes one of the Ten Commandments in a good way. All right? So not saying, honor your father and your mother. Forget that we're under grace. He doesn't say that. Instead, what he does is he brings the Ten Commandments into the world of grace. And he says, honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land because that promise is in the Ten Commandments. And so what Paul does is he takes that command and he says, as Christians, you guys really get to get the blessing of this command when you obey it. Through Jesus Christ, And the forgiveness that comes by faith in him through the power of his cross and his gospel. You Christians really do get to inherit this promise. That it may go well with you and you live long in the the land as you obey this Ten Commandments. And so for me, this is kind of the linchpin. That there is a wrong way of looking at the Ten Commandments where you think, I live by doing these things. That is death and you won't live. But the right way is to say, I am alive through faith in Jesus Christ, and there is wisdom and blessing to be had through receiving what God wanted to give us through these commandments. And so that's what Paul is doing here. He takes this command, and he says, Children, God wants to give you a huge blessing by fulfilling his promise to you as you respond in faith to his call. If you will honor your father and your mother by obeying them when you're children, then God wants to fulfill his promise to you that you will live long in the land, that, you're, that it will go well with you. Um, Jesus pointed out, just, just a mo- moment of application. When you're older and you're not living underneath your father and your mothers, if you're in their house now, if, when, you're, when you've moved out and you're living off your own money, then the honoring kind of changes. Right? You're not so much needing to obey directly because you're kind of on your own, your, your own household. But there is still a way of honoring. And so Jesus said that uh, in his life, he accused the Pharisees of wrecking the commandment of God because the Pharisees were teaching that if you had money and you gave it to God, you could give it to God instead of taking care of your parents with it. And he said to them, actually, your parents have a right to be taken care of in their old age by you. And that this is a kind of honoring. Thank you. I'm not going to speak into the mic who said that, but... um, because this message is going to go around the world. <laughs> but he said that there is, a, there is a fulfillment of honoring even when you're an adult, and your parents are adults too, and it means taking care of them. You honor them by taking care of them. And so um, just, just a little tidbit there. That's how Scripture explains it. If you're still in your parents' house, the honor is shown through obedience, through the words like, yes, mom, yes, dad. Yes, auntie. Yes, uncle. Yes, grandma. Yes, grandpa. It, um, it, it, it usually revolves around that word yes. Okay, so when, when the no or the ah oh or the uh or the uh is coming out, um, the sound uh and honor do not go hand in hand very well. Um, you should know that. Um, uh, if, if your mom or dad says something and your eyes start to roll, unless you are legitimately looking into your skull for a great way how to obey and honor, you're doing it wrong. And, and the problem is this, like there is a blessing to be had 
for honoring. And there is a blessing to be lost for dishonoring. And, and spiritual fathers are there to, to say, wake up, guys. This world does not revolve around you. That's a good fathering line. The kids never love to hear it. The world does not revolve around you. This is God's world. And he has every right to give a blessing when we believe in him and express our faith through obedience. And he has every right to press pause on that blessing and to not fulfill his promise when we don't believe in him and show it through our actions. Amen? So, but this morning I want to bless you by helping you to fulfill God's call to honor your mother and your father and your spiritual mother and father as the case may be. Because sometimes um, the, the family dynamics are super, super hard to walk in and, and death being the, the ultimate way that it becomes difficult to show honor to a mother or father. But there, the Lord has given us spiritual mothers and fathers in local churches, elders and elders' wives, or just uh, people who carry the spiritual fathering and mothering, and uh, they are there for us that we can walk with through honor in order to receive the blessing as well, I believe. And so what we're going to do this evening, or sorry, this morning, the message isn't going to be that long. <laughs> when I'm done at nine o'clock, we're going to have a prayer time. Somebody may want to order pizza. What makes these things different, it, difficult, sorry, is that what this command is actually about is about authority. Authority. The right to speak and be listened to. The right to speak and be responded to. The right to receive honor because God has put someone in a place of authority. That's, that's the ultimate issue is authority. That's what this command is about. And as we talk about this, maybe there'll be some more messages about this. We'll be talking about authority. That's the deal. God is the source of all authority in the world. The Father is the ultimate authority in the universe that even the Lord Jesus Christ submits his will. When the Father speaks, the Son listens and obeys. When the Father wills, the Son submits and responds. So the Father is the ultimate authority, but he has invested his authority in the world in many different places, in the family, in government, in church, and other places as, as well. And authority is a very complicated thing for us because we, we want to have authority and we don't want to submit to authority. That's general, sinful human heart. We want to have authority. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And we don't want to submit to authority. You're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. And I'm smarter and I'm going to do my own thing. And what have you done for me lately? That is just human nature. And welcome to all of human history for the last, since that apple got ate. Isn't that the problem? As Christians, I think we need to just take ourselves in the hand, by the hand, and say, the truth, that God invests authority in the world for good. Authority is a good thing. And when it's flowing well, it is wonderful. And I want to give us a Christian definition of authority to work with so that we can work towards this and say, this is what God intended, okay? And so in order to do this, I need to take us into a church fight, 
lots of church fights in the New Testament were about authority, holding authority well and responding to authority well, and not a lot has changed. But I want to take us to the Corinthian church. I love the the letters to Corinth because um, the church in Corinth was a wealthy church, an independent church, an educated church, and and just driving their Lamborghini into telephone poles and parked cars all over the place spiritually. And they have a lot to teach us because we're not too much different than them. And so what was going on in um, 2 Corinthians, the last few chapters, Paul is trying to resolve this, this fight because Paul planted this church and he was a great father spiritually to this church. He says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, I became your father through the gospel. So he sees that himself as a spiritual, gospel, uh, spiritual father. And as he preached the gospel, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, people came to Jesus and got born again and were saved and came together as a church and they were kind of under his authority and he taught them and he cared for them and he protected them. But after he left, some other apostles came in that he calls these super apostles that had a different idea of what it meant to follow Jesus. And especially it didn't have to do a lot with humility and it didn't have a lot to do with suffering. And so they began to really attack Paul to um, destroy his fatherly relationship to them so that they could follow these new super apostles and make them feel great about themselves and make them look wonderful. And there are these two verses in the latter parts of 2 Corinthians where Paul describes what he thinks spiritual authority is for and all about. So 2 Corinthians 10.8 and 2 Corinthians 13.10. I'll read both of these and maybe you can hear the common understanding in both of these. So Paul, again, he's having this argument, so the writing's a little bit hard to just jump into, kind of like if you just show up in the middle of any fight. You don't totally know what's going on, so it's a good idea not to pick sides until you've heard both sides of the story. But 2 Corinthians 10, 8, Paul says this, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So that's the first one, and let me read the second one to you. This is 2 Corinthians 13.10. Paul writes this. He says, For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for the building up and not for the tearing down. So what's similar in both of those lines? Paul understands that the Lord Jesus Christ does give authority. Both times he says, the Lord gave me this authority. He doesn't think it's all about him, but he takes it seriously because it is given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he understands that his authority is primarily granted to him in order to build up people. Okay, that's the main thing. He says, I am given authority as an apostle of Christ, as your spiritual dad, so that I have the right to build you up. That is the most fundamental reason God gives anybody authority over other people is so they have the right to build them up. And Paul says not to tear you down. Paul's, and he, when he says that, he doesn't mean, I don't have the right to tear things down. He does have the right to tear things down, right? He does have the right to show up and be like, this is going to stop, okay? So if you're a parent or somebody who's taking care of little kids, you know that mo- there's this phase where behind the bed, things start to gather, right? Things that are crusty. And they weren't crusty when they were first glued in there, but they become crusty over time and they may have been produced in someone's nostril. And as you start to deal with it, you say, I'm tearing down this habit. 
and I have the authority to. Like, this is my bed, you're my kid, I pay blah, 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 all this stuff. Like, who pays the bills? This is over. That it would be expressing authority to tear down a practice? The answer is no. But ultimately, your, people are granted authority by the Lord be, so that they can, they have the right to build things up and to do good. That is the most fundamental. It's a gift from God for people so that someone has the right to build them up and protect them. That, that is a Christian view of authority. God grants people the right over other people to do them good and protect them, and sometimes to intervene with a, a no when things need to get torn down because bad stuff is happening. And so just as an illustration of the wonderful blessing that can come from authority, I want to show you something. This is my papers. And they're Bulgarian pages, so they're a little bit taller than American pages. You can see that. I don't know why that happened. They're about an inch taller than our pieces of paper. And the back half are all in Bulgarian with these official stamps on here and official stamps on the back. But the first half is an official translation of the back half. And these these papers are literally the legal adoption papers that Jackie and I completed to adopt our new son these are this is the paper with the signatures and the dates and an official translation so i can understand what's going on here and i can even read to you the last part like i love this paper so much like it's so legalese i don't know if it's a european thing or what but like or just a law thing but you don't actually get to what it says until the third fourth page at the bottom like awesome anyhow Ruled permits the full adoption of the minor child, Peter Rosanov Azanov, a Bulgarian citizen, da 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 da, by the partitioners Robert John Balfour, born in Vancouver, Canada, and Jacqueline Lee Balfour, born in Winnipeg, Canada, to the habitual residents of Canada, so on and so forth, including a name change on the certified copy. This piece of paper literally gave Jackie and I full authority as parents over our new son. And it was made very clear to me how important this is when we tried to take him out of Bulgaria and when we tried to bring him into Canada. So we were trying to leave Bulgaria, and there's a nice man in a booth with a gun sitting beside another nice man in a booth with a gun and says, papers. And we hand in our passports, and they look it over, and it looks really weird because there's two Canadian adults with Canadian passports and a Bulgarian child with a Bulgarian passport, and that is just weird. And it's their job to make sure that Bulgarian children are not wrongly taken out of the country. Isn't that true? So they say, is this some kind of adoption? Because they see it before, and we say, yeah, and they said, I need to see the papers. So we hand this over, and you just stand there, quietly sweating, and they look it over, and they say, okay, good. And they hand it back to you, and away you go. You leave the country. And then you take a, a series of airplane rides, which were wonderful, praise the Lord, and then you arrive in Canada, and you wait in the lineup to see a border person there. And it's their job not to let anybody into the country who doesn't belong here, which might include Bulgarian children being brought into Canada for weird reasons. And so you line up there, and right away, you could see on his face, two Canadian passports, one Bulgarian passport. This is not right. I have to invest it. You could just see it. You picked it up. What's going on here? Okay. It's an adoption. Okay. I'm going to need to see the piece of paper. Hand it over. They look at it. Okay. And you come. We had the authority to rescue a little boy 
from an orphanage and bring him home to a family called Calvary Chapel with a little part of that family called the Belfort family to love him and rescue him and, and, and bless him. Bulgaria, I love that country. It was great. If you're going to visit, go in the summer. It's beautiful. But, but literally, the power of authority to do someone good. We have the right to take him home and love him. And nobody has the right to stop us because of authority. And this is, what I, this is the Christian view of what we aim for with spiritual authority or parenting authority. I have the right to do my kids good. To build up. It's, and it's not given to tear down. Sometimes you do need to tear down. And that, those are the hardest parts. In family, those are the hardest parts. In, um, in church leadership, when, it's, when a little teardown needs to happen or a major teardown needs to happen, because ultimately authority is given to do good. But the joy is that we, we have the right to do good. So I'm thinking about these things with my family the other day, and, and I try to apply these things to my kids right away, and I'm sure they love it. Um, and so I w- walked into my, my little kid's room. It's bedtime, trying to put them to bed, and I just walked up and said, do you guys know, as your dad, I have the right to tell you what to do, and you need to obey? And of course, they were excited right away. Right? They look at each other, oh, you know. I said, okay, so put your arms in the air. And they did. I said, put your arms to the side. So they did. And I said, now give me a big hug. And they just laughed and gave me a big hug. And I was, I was trying to just practice saying, I have the right to give you a great day and a great put down as your dad. Because often authority comes where you think something's going wrong, right? You put the hamster where kind of thing. You know what I mean? In the microwave? No, no. I'm your mom, I'm your dad, I'm your auntie, I'm your uncle, whatever it is. No, never do that again. And clean up your shoes and eat your dinner. And, and sometimes just because of life, we can just be thinking authority um, can get misused. And that's a lot of where the, the bad idea of authority comes from. Now, we're set up because we just don't like to start off with, but sometimes things can go wrong. And we can get this whole idea that uh, authority is just about me getting what I want, right? I, I, I'm in authority here, so why am I not getting what I want? That can be the way you think. How come my life's not easier if I'm an authority here? Those are the two, two ways of doing it. And Jesus talked about this. He said, you know, the rulers of, of the Gentiles uh, lord it over people, but I am among you as one who serves. I, I've come to give my life. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is here. I have authority over my disciples to build them up. I'm going to go die for your sins. I'm going to come back from the grave. And if you think about it, the gospel story is a story of authority in action. Okay, everything went bad in the garden. Did Adam and Eve submit to God's authority as expressed through his command? No. And what was the command? Eat all the fruit in this garden, except for this one. And all they heard was, oh, you're a bad dad. That's what the Satan talked them into. I can't have every single fruit I want. I can't have every single fruit I want. What if I want every single fruit? Oh, you're going to take away one fruit from me? Oh, you're such a bad God. I want to be God now. And the promise of the snake was, if you eat that fruit, you will become like God's. And you'll never have to be under anyone's authority ever again. Even though the only thing God told you to do was to live in paradise and eat all the fruit except for the kumquats. Because they're not that great anyways. That's why they get such a weird name. Like mango, that's a great name for a fruit. Orange, that's a great name. It's like unrhymable, except for door hinge, but that's a bit of a squish. <laughs> Banana, like that's a great name for a fruit. Kumquat, like it sounds like you pulled something. Like 
kumquat is just really <laughs> bugging me. I'm off task a little bit here. But that first rebellion has literally led to killings, mass murders, rapes, uh, stealings, uh, massive diseases, plagues, every war. It all came out of we reject being under the authority of the word of God. And so the restoration of all things is going to bring us back to a place of loving authority and getting under authority. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the first human being ever who actually lived under the authority of God. Never broke any of his commands, ever. Not even from the heart. Obeyed the law. Sometimes people accused him of not obeying the law, and he usually turned around and said, actually, you guys have misconstrued the law. I'm actually fulfilling God's will for the law. Um, even in the garden, knowing that it was God's will that he would go to the cross and saying, I don't actually want to do this, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Submitting to God's authority. But the interesting thing is that as Jesus was talking to Pilate, you might remember, he says, I have authority to lay my life down and I've, I've been given authority to take it up again. The reason Jesus could walk out of that grave is because the father said, son, I give you the authority. It's an invested authority. I give you the authority to walk out of the grave. And as Jesus walked around the world, uh, walked around Israel, what was one of the most scandalous things he did? He, he went around forgiving sinners. Why? Because God had given them the authority. Are you forgiven for, of your sins? How does that work? It works because Jesus has the authority from the Father to do that. That's, he came out of the grave. He has the right to look at anybody who believes in him and says, all of your punishment for sin is done. The gospel of authority. Jesus Christ, the one man who came under the authority of God 100%. And God has now given him all the authority. At the end of Matthew, all authority in heaven and earth is granted unto me. Now go and make disciples throughout the entire world. And the interesting thing is, is the more that people come under the authority of God, the more they are granted to walk in the authority of God. That's just how it works. The more willing we are to submit to the authorities that God has given us to be a blessing to us, even when they mess up or we don't agree with them or things get a little squishy and we need to find wise ways to show honor to them, the more God makes things go well with us and helps us to live long in the land and honors our roles of authority that he has given us. Amen? So I want to talk about another reason why it's sometimes really hard to come under authority. And then I want to do something that I've probably never done before, which is to talk about Star Wars in a good way from the pulpit. And then I want to give us a chance to act in faith before the Lord and either come under spiritual authority or to have a spiritual mom or a dad pray for us that we would win the fight of walking in wisdom for spiritual authority. One of the things that makes it hard to come under spiritual authority that we talked about before is just that the sinful human heart is full of pride and selfishness and we just don't want to like you never have to teach a child to scream no when they're when they're being told to do something they don't want to do like you know you don't it's not like uh toddlers have little toddler university and it's like uh you know screaming 101 and they have to get the class and they don't get let out of class unless they get like a 65% average. Like it's just right from birth, part of 
fallen human nature to scream and fuss or whine or get sneaky or whatever because we just like that. We're, we're selfish, we're proud, and respecting authority, honoring others, cuts against that grain. But another thing that happens for us, and that kind of dovetails with this, is that every human authority fails. Because we live in a fallen world, and because every person is a sinner, every spiritual authority, every family authority, every government authority, ultimately fails. Like, the, the biggest celebrated voting in of any leader in any democracy where everyone's just like, yay, this is going to fix all the problems. They've got maybe 12 years and then everybody hates them and they vote them out. Because everybody's imperfect and nobody's fully powerful and everybody sins. And what can happen is over time, uh, we can accumulate a list of grievances against authority that are our, which is our reason to not come under authority, right? Like, this person really hurt me, this person failed me, I didn't like what this person said, this person didn't call, they didn't do this stuff. And some of it could be really legitimate. Like, there are some really evil people in the world who use their authority to do really evil things. And I, I just confess that. I'm not going to try to minimize anything. There are some shocking abuses of authority. There are shocking perversions of authority. And so, just as somebody who does his best to live in the real world, uh, people in positions of authority sometimes do the most evil stuff. And it is just gross and terrible. And there are people who are kind of doing their best. And it still doesn't work out well, and they still make mistakes, or they still sin, or they still freak out, or blow up, or mess up, or whatever. And then there's all, everything in between. There's people who are doing their best and still fail because we're humans. And there's people who are literally just pure evil. And there's everything in between. And so what I'm saying is I notice that it's human nature for us to accumulate reasons to not honor authorities, honor mothers and fathers because of stuff that's happened. And I think the reality is, is that God calls us not to live in that bondage. To see that ultimately that is a rejection of him and to come into living saying, I don't want to be stuck in rejection of authority because ultimately what's going to happen is I am going to not have my life go well or live long in the land because the blessings of God will come through me finding ways to honor authorities. And so we need to learn some wisdom, okay? Let me do two stories to show some wisdom. Uh, one story of Abigail from the Old Testament, who, to my mind, is one of the great stories of a person walking in wisdom and honor while surrounded by a bunch of people not using authority well. Okay, so you might remember, this is from First um, Samuel, I believe it is, Abigail is Nabal's wife, and Nabal is this really rich landowner, and he has these big flocks. And what's been happening is for a long period of time, David's um, troop has been protecting these flocks from raiders. David's on the lamb, he's on the run, he's living on a cage because his authority, Saul, wants to kill him because he's jealous, 
And David has honored Saul up to this point by not killing Saul back because David is like, wink, wink, pretty unstoppable. And so far, he's just been dodging the spears and not throwing any back himself. And even the one time he cuts Saul's cape a little bit, he feels struck in the heart that he's dishonored the Lord because the Lord made Saul king. And so David is showing honor to Saul by just running away from him and not killing him, which he could have done a couple of times because he was like literally the world's greatest ninja at the time of his life. So David has run away from Saul and is honoring God's anointing on Saul by making him king, by just not fighting with him. And he's doing good to Israel by protecting this one guy's flocks. And at the end of the shearing time or whatever, he sends some guys there and says, um, you know we've been doing this good service to you as you guys celebrate and have your big feast. Can you send us some supplies? Because we're pretty much just living off of whatever we can find these days. Just a note. Typically, when armies are on the run, they just steal it. They just walk up to the farm and kill everybody and take everything they want. Or they just take everything they want and they say, we'll be back in six months, make sure there's more stuff when we show up. That's usually how it goes. So David is being amazing right now by sending people to ask. And Nabal is a jerk. And so he just responds, who are you? You just again, Slaves are running away from masters all the time these days. Now get out of here. Just a little dig. I know Saul wants to kill you on, and get out of here. And uh, David is, and then Nabal goes off to drink himself silly. And David is just so incensed. He's just so enraged. He's, he's, he's going to come and destroy everybody, N- not making the right move. And so Abigail, this is when Abigail really shows up. She hears what's happened and how her husband's responded. And she goes, we're dead. And so she gathers all this food and raisin cakes together and she goes to meet David and totally reading the situation right, finds him on the warpath. Okay, she's so smart. And she kneels down before him and submits to him and says, like, we know someday you'll be king um, and uh, please don't kill everybody and here's a bunch of food. And it's just this, and David relents and says, actually, you've saved me from com- committing a crime and sinning against God, so I just honor you. And then she goes back and and th- there's this great little scene where Nabal kind of wakes up from his stupor and she just kind of tells him what happens, what has just happened. And then God gives Nabal uh, aneurysm or something like that. And he's dead in a few days. And it, a- Abigail gets a new husband. And I just, I see Abigail's heart. She's so wise and she doesn't like lace into Nabal and just be like, you dumb stupid, you're going to get us, I'll get your butt out of bed. She, she doesn't, even though he is like one of the great idiots from scripture, she doesn't just, you know, fire up her tongue on the high octane gasoline and just let it, let him have it. And she also submits to David in faith. She's, she's honoring as much as she can all around, and she saves a bunch of people's lives and saves David from having a mass murder on his hands when it's time for him to become king. And so she's, for me, just like the hero of how you can actually find ways to show honor even when everybody else is, is getting ready to sin. So that, this is for me. When, it, when I feel like I don't want, you know, when you're the rebellion, okay, Abigail found ways to, to walk in honor, honoring authorities, even when everybody else didn't deserve it. And she was actually the only godly person in the room. But she still, she just wasn't like, okay, so when am I going to be king? Because I just saved your butt. No, it's, anyhow. So if you are struggling with showing honor, I just would really invite you to read Abigail's story. 
She's a real hero in scripture, super wise, and, and shows us that you can be the one person who knows how to show honor, even when everybody else is really up to no good. And then I also want to share the story of Luke Skywalker. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> and this has particularly to do with like um, feeling like there's been a big father failure in your life and that you can't show any honor ever. And I, I just want to talk about the, a little bit the destruction that can happen when somebody uh, feels hurt or betrayed or just letting their pride go enough and they're just going to totally reject authority. They're going to reject moms. They're going to reject their dads. They're going to reject any authority in their life and have their own way. Um, it is so self-destructive. It is just so self-destructive. There's nothing, nothing ultimately good comes out of it. It is so, if you see somebody who's just ruining their life nine times out of 10, your relationship with your parents aren't very good. Are, no, your, your relationship, do you have a, do you have a pastor you talk to? No. Okay. How, what, your teachers at school, I bet that went well. No. If you see somebody who's making choices that are just exploding their life, nine times out of ten, there's a problem with authority. And so the story of Luke Skywalker, I was just thinking the other day that um, that scene at the end of The Return of the Jedi, where Luke and Darth are up in the presence of Emperor Palpatine, well, it is pretty cool. Okay, so somebody can breathe a sigh of relief. I can say one, something good about Star Wars. It is pretty cool. And uh, Emperor Palpatine's all like, join the dark side, young Skywalker. And Darth is all just like, and all this other stuff. And um, the big temptation is to get Luke to yield to rage, right? He's supposed to embrace the dark side, yield to rage. And there's this, there's this big scene where, you know, Luke's like uh, beating his dad down with a lightsaber. And he has him up against the the railing and cuts off his hand and if you want to see a scene of like a son enraged at a bad dad that would be the big one that everybody knows about like darth was bad he had like blew up planets that's he's really bad and um and luke cuts off his hand and so he's defenseless and the, the big temptation is like finish him right finish him. This is your time. He's a bad dad. He, you didn't, he didn't love you. He didn't know you. He's already cut off your hand. He's a bad dad. Like, take him out. And, uh, and the story is that Luke won't do it, right? He doesn't do it. And he almost dies. And then Darth kind of turns around and rescues him. It's, one of the, it's kind of almost an unbelievable moment, because like, after blowing up planets, you don't kind of get a soft spot in your heart all of a sudden. It's like one of those things. If you blow up a planet, you probably won't repent, because it's it's a whole planet. But anyhow, it's a great story anyways, even though it's a little bit the character anyhow. But this is the thing. Imagine if Luke had been like, okay, I'll do it, and just killed his dad. Number one, it would have been one of the worst movies of all time, like some of the later Star Wars ones. Because you know he can't do it. He can't, that, it just can't work like that, right? To yield to rage, to kill your dad, it just, it, it's not the right story. You also know that if Luke had done it, he would have become a worse Darth than Darth. He would have become a worse emperor than the emperor. He himself would not have defeated the evil. He would have become more evil than these people if he had given in and taken out his father. You just know it, right? Like, just think about what would happen if he had just... Is Luke still a hero? Nope. Not a hero anymore. No, in fact, the only heroic thing he could have done was kind of like reject his dad by cutting off the lightsaber, but then not killing him. That's actually the only good thing he could have done. 
That's the only way out for him in that scene. You know it, right? And if he had killed his dad, you'd just been like, that was, that was good right up. Like the Ewoks, sweet. And the little like two-legged at-at things, sweet. And the speeder bike scene, sweet. And it's a trap. Like that's going to go down in history as a quotable quote. It's going to, you know, it's a great, except when he, 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 he actually, did he do that? To, I don't, I don't think we're going to see it again. You just know that's how the story is, right? Well, let's apply that to our lives. You're Luke. Imagine you have every reason to reject that authority, every reason to strike it down. Who are you going to be? Right? I'm, I'm just not going to go there. So this morning I'm going to end just by saying I want to give you an opportunity wherever you're at to receive a blessing from a spiritual mom or a dad. And if you've got some work to do there because you've got some hurt and rejection and rebellion going on in your life, um, welcome to church. We, we want to see you set free. We don't want to judge you or condemn you. I actually want you to walk into this promise where God says, if you, if you find the way to honor your father and your mother, I will make things go well with you and help you to live long in the land. That God himself stands behind this. That's why it's a promise of God. He says, I am ready to work towards this as you show your faith in me by finding the ways to express honor. This is an amazing promise to lay hold of by faith. I am not saying that this is a works thing. I am saying that if you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe that this is the word of God and you believe that God is faithful to his promise, here's another promise to believe in. And we show our faith in it by trying to by walking out that honoring. And I want you to have that. I want things to go well for you. I want, I want to see that God Himself is saying, "I get up in the morning to do good for you because you you've humbled yourself, you respect authority, and now as you are underneath my authority, I have the right to do good to you." And this is the thing: Don't you want to be under the authority of God so He can say, "I am here to build you up and not tear you down." That's, that's ultimately what we're talking about. The Father himself, who has all power, saying to the devil, I'm walking out of here with this child because they're under my authority, and I'm taking them home to blessing land because they're under my authority. And us not saying, leave me alone, stop it, stop it. Don't take me into that airplane. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to invite a couple of spiritual moms to just come over on this side and some spiritual dads to come over on this side. And if you just want to yield to the Lord, wherever you're at, and they're going to pray for you that God will bless you to have the victory and to get the promise here. So if you need to start from scratch, we're going to pray that God will bless you with the power to walk in faith here and to find ways to honor whatever your situation is so that you can get the promise fulfilled in your life. Um, this isn't a Father's Day thing. This is fathers and mothers. If, if you would feel in your life that the issue has been motherhood, why don't you hook up with the mothers? And they'll bless you. If you feel like maybe you'd be more blessed for some of the, the spiritual fathers to do that, you come over here. It's open for you for whatever reason you want. And the prayer people, you don't need to like go into a long prayer. If you, cause if, depending on how the lineup goes, you can just say, we bless you to have the spiritual victory and to receive the promises of God.
fulfilled in your life. And then I've got a little bit of homework you can do here. And you can do this with somebody if you want, but this is actually kind of designed for you to connect with the Heavenly Father. It's a couple of scriptures just to read out loud and to hear again who the Father is. And then just some prayer exercises to do and some things that you can pray and confess. Because uh, honoring starts in the heart, right? In the presence of God. And if we get honoring and coming under authority right in God's presence, it will flow out into relationship. So I've got one here. There's a bunch at the back as well. So if the band can come up and want to play... Yeah. And if uh, Dave for sure over here, and Lynn, if you want to start over here, and Agatha, if you want to start over here, and I'm going to join people over here. I'm going to. I want to keep it a bit small so that you can receive. Um, this is it. So Rob, what do I what do I want, need to want in order to come up? Just this. To begin or to continue the journey of honoring fathers and mothers so that you can receive the promises of God. That's all you need. And you can either go to the spiritual moms, depending on where you're at, or you can go to a spiritual dad. They don't have to be older than you. We're just people given to you. We're a gift. We're authorities given to you to help build you up. And so if you're older then just say, I, I, I don't care. I only care about Jesus right now. All I really want is the blessing of God. No one's going to stop me, not even your lack of gray hair. <clears throat> Amen? So let's pray, church. Why don't I invite everybody to stand as the band begins to play?